2: Being, on our face. being a young MMA fighter, I gotta control what I'm doing in the cage. Marshall Walker. It's, it's over. Over
3: the, no. Saver, no. the debut. You know you gotta beat somebody, so beat me if you can. I heard my
4: telling me that's on video i've
3: never been happier i made for a fucking podcast that's dangerous <laughs> listen to me we're out of
4: welcome to ufc unfiltered i'm excited for today matt and i have a very interesting show well we hope good guests so if we if it sucks it's our fault um Herschel Walker, Ooh. I've never met or spoken to, but I've uh, been a, historically a Dallas Cowboy fan and Herschel being traded many, many years ago, built the Cowboy dynasty that people came to know with Aikman and Emmitt Smith. And I'd love to, I don't know exactly what guys they got, but they got, a, I think six players for him. Um,
3: yeah. I don't and, uh, he's, care about football,
4: but but Herschel Walker, you have to, it's Herschel.
3: Jimmy Yes. No, no, I absolutely do not have to, and you can't
4: make me. But yes, I will, I guarantee you I'll change your opinion.
3: Well, listen, this is the deal. I care about the fact that Herschel Walker in his 40s, how old was he was he when he was in strike force? Do we know how old he was when he was in strike force?
4: That I don't know.
3: There are producers, okay. 47 years old. My age now, and you know my knees are shot. I don't know how his knees were, but that guy went in there 47 years old. And whipped some ass. You understand? And it's crazy because
4: I mean, he was a... Uh, so he played in the NFL. Yes. So he took beatings uh, like in practice and, and the, the, all that on your knees and on your legs and concussions and all the shit that happens when you're playing professional football and then to do it at 47, it really is amazing.
3: I mean, I want to know. I want to I see what a guy with such success he had in the, in the football game. He's a legend in the game. To try uh, to fight mixed martial arts at forty-seven years age, uh, forty-seven years old, is uh, I want to see what, what what drove him to do that. I cannot. I'm interested in talking to him, and there's other things I want to ask him, but I'm not going to say it now. Do you know why?
4: Because you want to do it when he's here.
3: No, no, no. That's not why. Oh, because you are infamous. But, I and, would not
4: take but, your question.
3: You're, first of all, you're you. You could be a, I love you. But Thank you. Could you. Be a, you could be a little bit of a.
1: Bully in here? No, as far as
3: with, with the show, you can, and you know, I got to stick up for myself. I'm not. I have other things. Jimmy, how was your weekend?
4: Um, it was okay. My Uber Eats order was canceled today, so I'm I'm kind of I'm in a rage pit just because they canceled it, and there's no one to talk to. But aside from that, I'm a bit I'm okay. Matt, up and down, you know how it goes. Well,
3: Jimmy, I was just using that as a prelude to get into my weekend.
4: Oh, good. I figured. I I have a a longer answer.
3: I want to pick you up my big arms. Just just hold hold, (laughs) on. I miss you. Does another man say that to you a lot? Anybody?
4: No one says that to me. No.
3: By the way, I'm very happy for your friend, Bobby Kelly, and his son, Max. Because they reached out to me not to throw this out of left field but they
4: told me that yeah
3: uh i talked to bobby he was looking for a place for jiu-jitsu to train i recommended my 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 good friend igor gracie and the famous gracie clan and uh little Maxie got his first stripe and i'm hearing he's loving it
4: where are they located are they, up, they up by bobby and westchester around there yes
3: yes uh, i think it's is it rochester
4: uh, westchester
3: let's call the whole thing
4: no rochester's far
3: Oh, I'm way off. Yeah. It's where he lives. I don't know. But you got to ask him. But the point is, it makes me very happy. Yeah. Because I think that's going to help out. It, it's, it's such a wonderful thing for kids, the jujitsu. Hershel Herschel is ready.
4: Oh, Good news. Don't you want to know about my weekend? I do, but let's, let's use Herschel as a teaser to- I had guys defending belts.
3: All right, we'll get to it afterwards. Okay. Shout out to James Gonzalez and Dennis Bazooka. but I'll hold out on that until afterwards.
2: Hello there. How are you, Mr. Walker? Uh, I'm doing well. Quit calling you Mr. Walker, man. I, it hey. you, does it make you feel old? Because it doesn't look like you age, my friend. You look well, good. I, it does make me feel old. You know, I'm a big fan of yours. I don't think you even know this. You know, I've been watching you for a long, long time. I watch you on The Ultimate Fighter and all that. So, But I'm not going to be kissing up. That's one thing I don't do. I don't kiss oh, up too much. Hey, but listen. I'm, first of all, I'm flattered. For And are you in your house right now? Because I am. Do I, does it look bad? Does it look bad? Here? No, it looks like a hotel lobby. It's giant. Oh, goodness. Uh, well, no, it, 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 it's, it's my house. So I'm, I'm in my house. Uh, you know, I I, I, uh, I work a little bit. So I was able to buy me a nice house for a little bit. But I'm probably going to be be—I'm moving out of this When I just came back to get clothes and to pick up my dog, and then I got to go to work. <laughs> you got to go to work? What, what are you doing now? What, what is work? Well you, know, you, well, you know, I'm running for that U.S. Senate seat in Georgia. Yeah, I'm running for that Senate seat in Georgia, and, you know, something I never, never, ever, ever, ever thought I'd ever do. But after watching everything that goes on in this country, I couldn't sit back in the morning and say, I don't want this. I don't like this, and I'm going to fight that said, people, we don't have racism. We need the police. We need to protect our military. We need to protect the border. All the things I think everybody want, but I think people are shouting so loud saying the same thing rather than listening to each other. And I want to try to bring people back together to get out of all this racism, this, this, this woke theory that this is the greatest country in the world. So I'm running for that Senate seat to try to change people to let them know that we can get along here in the United States of America.
4: You really like you're very you're a competitive guy too cuz you played professional football and then Matt yeah. and I were talking before you came on at 47 you fought oh, and gee, now don't you're doing like this.
2: 47. Couldn't mention in my age. I'm really young. Well
4: that's hey. that's the amazing part though. The fact that you are still in amazing shape and still so healthy and still good enough to fight professionally.
2: It's it's incredible. Well, you know, a lot of people don't know when I was in, at Georgia I fought in martial arts tournament. I would go and play Saturdays, and I would go to church Sunday morning. And I fought in Taekwondo tournament Sunday afternoon. People think I just got in martial arts, uh, you know, when I started doing it then in MMA and, at, at uh, force, but that's not true. I've been in martial arts almost all my life. You know, I grew up, my mom said I was big bone. And you know what that means. When they say you're big bone, I was a little bit fat, and I had a stuttering problem. I used to be, uh, I used to be bullied a great deal. And so I started watching those Bruce Lee movies and stuff. And so I went to this teacher at that time in my hometown. I think he was watching the same movies I was watching. So because the way he was teaching the class, I thought I was learning martial arts. And I wasn't learning martial arts. I was learning the stuff he saw on TV. But as I got a little bit older, I went to a very good uh, taekwondo gym. And when I got to college uh, during off campus, I started going after class, doing going to taekwondo every day. And people never knew that. And uh, so I fought in martial arts tournament the three years I was at Georgia. Now, when did you first um, mess with the mixed martial arts? Well, you know what's so fun about it? I was I was at home one day and I was watching, you know, yeah, usually I, the, I thought the mixed martial arts was like the tough man contest. But when I mean, they started putting the rules in it, the weight class and different things like that, because I remember watching the Gracie when he was fighting a guy up 300 pounds, you know, there was no weight class and all this. But well, when they started putting rules and all that in it, I said, man, i love to do this. i love to do this. And I went into training by myself. I went into training and hitting the bags. And I was in there doing all my martial arts. And I would go to my Taekwondo class. And, you know, my uh, teacher was Master Kim. And he really didn't like the mixed martial arts. And I wouldn't tell him I was training for it. <laughs> and I decided I wanted to do it. And people thought I was crazy. And I want to thank Scott Coker because what he did for me would really save my life. Uh, he brought Bob Cook to uh, California. He asked me to come out to California, and he had me to do what they call a matchmaker bout. I fought five different guys and five different arts, like I wrestled and all that. And I did well in all of it. So and I, I was building my business at the time. So what I did, I gave my business over to my general manager, and I told him I, I was, I was going to go out and fight. And I went out to AKA out in San Jose, California, yes. and I was out there for, uh, for months. And this is the honest truth, and they, they would tell you, I trained almost six days a week, <laughs> almost six to nine hours a day, for like 11 months before I got my first fight. And no matter how much taekwondo I learned, there's no way I could have fought in a, in a cage if I had not went to a great gym. And that's what I tell people. And mm-hmm. by going to a great gym, having Daniel Cormier and Cain Velasquez, Luke Rockhold, you know, those guys, they showed me how to fight. And I, and I think every last one of them, they're my, they're my brothers, uh, you know, Josh Thompson and all those guys, they're my family and stuff. And uh, and that's how I got started in uh, the mixed martial arts. Now, let me, I'm sorry, Jimmy. I just want to know your first experience fighting in that cage. Um, How did that fight end? Well, you know, I ended up uh, knocking him out. Uh, I, uh, I think I ended up knocking him out. the referee was a stoppage. The so referee stopped it. And I think he was a wrestler. I think he was a wrestler. But one of the things I think helped me out a great deal, because you know, I was taekwondo, which is stand up and I boxed. I knew how to box, but I never really a that much. And by having Daniel at the camp, you know, I learned to wrestle and people don't know Kane is a wrestler. You know, Kane was very good at, at his hands, but Kane was a wrestler as well. So being at AKA, you know, I, I learned to wrestle a little bit and so when I stepped in the cage, uh, you know, and I, yeah, I think I was a little bit stronger. Well, I think that's one thing I had over my first opponent. I was a little bit stronger. You know, we were about the same size. But I, I weighed in about 214, so I was kind of little. Yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah. And, but, uh, you know, I, I, had, I had a little bit more skills, even though we've been fighting a little bit longer, but I had more skills. And it was funny because I'm, I love to compete. I absolutely love to compete, and and people don't know I love, love, love martial arts. I love mixed martial arts, and you know, uh, you know, I love mixed martial arts more than I like football. Uh, you know, I had a chance to play football, but I love mixed martial arts, and that you know, I know more mixed martial artists and wrestlers than I do football players. Now, you're friends
4: with, uh, with uh, President Trump. I, I know you guys know each other for a long time. Did he convince you to run, or did you call him first, or did you make the no. decision? How, how did that come about, you running?
2: Well, you know, I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a church guy. I grew up in the church, and uh, it sort of was a, a calling in a sense that, you know, I, the last 15 years, every three weeks I was at a military base somewhere in the world. So I've been to over 400 installations all over the world, and I see all the young men and women do some amazing things for this country. They sacrifice so much. And, you know, I talk about kids. You know, you have to sacrifice to accomplish anything. And I think Matt know this. If you're going to be a fighter. You better sacrifice a lot. You know, you can't be out clowning around. You got to sacrifice and train. And I saw what was going on in this country. And this is way before President Trump even mentioned anything about me running. This was a calling, and I went into prayer with my wife and my, my pastor. I went into prayer with to Pastor Tony Evans, and this was funny. I knew I had a calling to do it, but I started praying that God would bring someone else because, like, I was happy. You know, I had my company. I was doing well, and, but I said, I can't sit back and let this country be destroyed, the greatest country that has given me so much that I won't do it. I'm, I'm going to fight. And I decided I was going to throw my name in a hat. Whatever I have to do, I'm going to get out there and, and tell people, do not look bad at this country. This is the greatest country in the world, that you can find America's dream. And, you know, we got to come together and quit all the bickering and this and that and come together and get things solved rather than talking about it.
4: Every generation, you know, we think that the younger generation is annoying and they think that we suck. It's kind of the progress of people. But are you surprised by how much... People who are like 16, 17, 18 have changed, like how differently they look at things. Like it's a bigger difference than I think than me and my father, people my age now and people who are 20.
2: But that's the way it's always been. It's always been. But right now in this generation here, we've given those young generation a huge, huge voice. You know, right now we're listening to them tell us how this country got to be. And we can't do that. You know, they, you know and not to be mean, I think uh, you do have to uh, go with the times. Things do change. But, but if you got a minute, I'll give you a prime example something that was so funny. I was doing an interview with uh, someone and they asked me and a, a white guy about if the Washington Redskins should change their name, which I thought was very funny. And I said, why are you asking a white guy and a black guy if the Washington Redskins should change their name? Why don't you go as a Native American? Well, when I started doing some research about it, most of the Native American that I approached was okay with it and stuff. And I said, that's what's so funny is we're asking the wrong people about things they know nothing about. I said, we need to get back and in, in getting the truth from people. And this young generation is our fault because we raised our kids to be better than we were, that we didn't let them go through the struggles we went through. And instead of we letting them go through those struggles, we always protected them. Well, right now we got those babies that we protected now telling us how we got to get things done. And we just got to go along with them. But we also have to tell them they got to work. Everyone want to get to the destination without doing the journey. You don't, you don't work it like that. You have to work to get there. Have you debated yet? Have you been in, how far along in the process are you? Uh, This is probably, Oh, I've been in it about eight weeks now. And you know, my first quarter that, uh, you know, we had announced raising money. I, I, uh, Broke almost every record because I think the people are starting to wake up. I think America is starting to wake up and say, you know what? Uh, they're right. This mm-hmm. is a great country. You know, I'm not going to be soft right now. They've tried to separate America. Have you seen it? You've seen everything that they're doing. They're trying to separate people. And while they're trying to separate people, that slipping thing underneath your nose over here, telling you how terrible we're doing things. You know, whoever thought of defunding the police, let's be real. Whoever thought of defunding the police and people are, are really considering that. And you don't do that. And people know that. And then not protecting our military. That's the reason we're the greatest country in the world. We've got the best military in the world. Whoever thought of not protecting our military, we should protect our military. They protect us. And, you know, and I said, so that's the reason I got involved. I said I wasn't going to sit back and not not be called. You know, I don't care. People can call me names. And that's one of the things they do right now. If they want to keep you quiet. What is the first thing they do? They say that you're racist when they say that, that try They want to get you to shut up. And I don't care what they call me. what they, what they can call me is I'm an American. That meaning that I, I believe in America. I believe in what America is doing. And I think the criteria to run for office should be, do you love America? And then do you love the Constitution? And we can love those two things. Maybe we can get out of all this other crap that they're doing right now because I think it's terrible. I tell you, I don't live in Georgia, but you'd have my vote in a heartbeat. Well, thank you. I do. I just hey, I, I'm just happy to talk to you, man. I like I said, I've been a big fan, um, and you, know, I watched your fighters come up. You know, uh, oh, thank you. And I, I, like I said, I love Marshall. Whenever I can catch it, I'm like always. I, I, and you, know, I, I got to know Dana a little bit. It's so funny. It's funny. I, Speaking of fights, I just got back from Atlantic City. i had five fight fights.
3: That's why my voice is like this. I was coaching yelling. Herschel, let me bring you back to the fighting for one second. This is what I want to ask you. Because you competed at the highest level in football, obviously. I was never really in team sports. The difference between your winning, let's say your first mixed martial arts fight, because I know what that feels like. Yes. Compared to winning any, you, you could point to any
2: high-profile game. Yes. Pro.
3: The difference, is, is there a difference at all?
2: You no, know, it, 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 is, it is a little bit of a difference. Like winning a fight is almost like when I was running track. Uh, even though you train with a team, the team help you to get there. But when you step into that cage or that octagon, you're there by yourself. Now, all the training you have learned, you better remember all that, but it better be uh, like nature. No meaning you better not be thinking about it. You better be reacting right to it. And you know the team has brought you there, but you got to fight. You know, one of the first thing I did when I was walking down that the, the uh ramp to get into the uh cage, it was funny because I was I was really cool. I was cool walking down and I stepped into the cage and when they closed the door. The first thing I said is, wait a minute, I'm in a fight. <laughs> right? Hey, you know, you forget this is a fight that got close the cage is to cage and finna come over, he's finna punch me. <laughs> he's like, Do you think this is a, this is not a, and this guy been trained? Ain't yeah, like he's gonna go punch, he's been trained, but then all of a sudden the athletic thing comes back and it. Hit me and say, "Okay, I'll be your hunkerberry You know, I tell people, guys, I didn't just show up just to show up. I show up to win. I don't, you know, I, you know, I like I said, I, I love this stuff, and and so I, I think it's like a human chess match. And you make it say that uh, MMA is like a human chess match. Like everyone's been trained so well, you know what the guy's going to do. You got to stop him, but you got to be better at it than he is. And it's just, and, and, and you know, and, and I tell people, guys, they don't know how hard it really is. You know, people think it's, it's easy, and that's what I said. You know, I was in Taekwondo for 30-something years before I decided to go fight. I was a 5th degree black belt. But there is no way I could have brought Taekwondo into that cage and fought with Taekwondo without not learning some MMA. I would have been destroyed. And I said, by learning MMA and mixing my Taekwondo in, I think made me a little better. And, you know, and I, so I say Bruce Lee, when he said you sometimes mix all the different things, I think it makes you better. And I would say this here. I, I tell guys this all the time. I'm not telling you, you have to be a great jujitsu, a great wrestler, a great this, a great that. But you better know it all because if you like it on some of it, you're going to get beat because there's some guy that's going to be good at something. You better know how to. I had to do something to get out.
4: Have you kept up with uh, Greg Hardy at all, another uh, ex-football player?
2: I, I, I have. Yeah, I have mm-hmm. kept up with Greg. And, you know, I was happy to see him. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see football players that have decided to do that. And I think Greg, I think Greg, I, you know, my hat is off to him. But like I said, this is hard. People don't know how hard it is. This is, you know, and you, you may laugh at this. You know, I danced ballet for a couple of years. Ballet was harder than football. Ballet because you use different muscles you never you all you really don't already use, and I thought ballet was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life until I did MMA.
4: Did you get the idea that sorry man from Lynn Swan? I know Lynn Swan did it, and that's one of the reasons he was able to do what he was able to do.
2: Well, you know, so funny? I, I didn't even know Lynn Swan dance. I danced because I was trying to work on my flexibility for martial arts and stuff, and then uh, and then I l- I learned Lynn learned Lynn Swan to dance. So when I did the martial arts and Matt no hey. I was so sore. i never been so sore in my life. I was sore all the time. <laughs> but what's weird about it is I loved it. I loved to train. And I loved to train. And, and you know, I want to thank Kane and Danny and all those guys. I trained Harvey Mandez and Bob Cook because let me tell you what, that was the best time of my life to be there with those guys. And it's like a family. You know, uh, some of the guys, they didn't have much. That's what's so funny. You know, fighting is a tough job. It's a tough business. <laughs> But you know, they 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 show up every day. They step in that cage and they take their lumps and and yeah, it's it's tough. But you know, they they love each other. And that's what that's what's so great about it. Now, when you're doing the ballet, what's the attire? Are you wearing well, you know, it? I, 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 uh, I look good in tights. I look good in tights. <laughs> you know, I had the tights on, but I look good. But you know what? The reason ballet was so tough is people see your face in football, you know, you're hiding behind that helmet. And you have a team out there that are protecting you. So you can you get away, but in 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 ballet, you're up on stage and I dance with a I dance with a young lady. So my heart was about to pump out of my chest because you know you have a huge audience out there and they can see you. So if you screw up, they see you screwing up. Same as MMA. You know, you got a guy in the punch you in the face and you get punched in the face and you can't take it and you turn away and you try to people see that. And then you got your boys you have to be accountable for because they got to talk about you. And in, in today's world, they got YouTube, they got everything. So you do something really, really stupid and look silly in the, in the cage or in ballet, you know you're going to be on YouTube. So everybody's going to put you on YouTube, they're going to put you on Twitter, they're going to put you there. So the whole world going to see you screwing up. So my thing is, you better go out there and win and knock him out so you won't be the one on YouTube. He's on YouTube. You're the one looking good. <laughs> With the ballet. What was the reasoning behind
3: that? I heard I heard athletes
2: doing that to help. Well, you know, so when I started, I started for flexibility. Uh, you know, I wanted to help my flexibility out because you know I I was sort of stiff, and even though I ran track and all those things, I got into it for my uh, flexibility, and a couple other guys got into it at the same time. And what was strange about it is one I remember this one Saturday, one Friday afternoon we were going to go to re- we were going to go to practice. I happened to show up, they didn't show up. So now I'm at practice, the only guy there. And I'm like, oh crap, I wanna sneak out. And all the people say, oh no, no, you can't leave. You're the only guy, you're the only guy. And I'm like, oh Jeff, I, I started feeling guilty. And I remember as a little kid, I always told myself I never quit at anything. I said, I would never quit at anything. If I started, I gotta finish it. And that's why I tell people today, I don't care if you start something, at least finish it. Don't, don't quit, you quit today, you'll quit tomorrow. So I went ahead and finished it. And then when I got to Dallas, I remember the Fort Worth Ballet came to me and they asked, uh, you know, they, they knew that i danced, dance, that I, if I do a Christmas special for them. And I'm like, no, no. But then I said, well, I, I said I'd do it. So I ended up doing dancing with them for a little bit and stuff and helped to raise money for the Dallas Fort Worth, for the Fort Worth Ballet. And, and I'm not going to say I'm a great dancer, but I look good, I, I, you know, and, and I'm glad that I did it. Because I think it builds character.
4: Do you, first of all, do you remember the first time you got to use uh, Taekwondo on a bully? Do you remember the first time somebody didn't know you had been
2: training? Well, you, uh, you, I never have. Uh, because, you know, one thing I learned, you know, uh, when I was fat and overweight, kids used to bully me all the time. And I started learning martial arts. And I learned that martial arts is an art. It's not for fighting. You learn art to protect yourself. And to be honest with you, if you got to fight with someone you really don't know martial arts, you ought to be able to get out of it. The martial arts is just to defend yourself. And and then I really didn't want to fight no one because I didn't want to hurt anyone. But then I wasn't going to get hurt either. So I uh, I never really use it. People always want me to show them certain things, and it, and and I don't really get into that uh, a lot because as a people don't realize if you don't know what you're doing, you can hurt someone. Cause this is pretty serious. You put somebody in like a red-necked choke <laughs> and choke them out. You don't realize you can hurt someone. And, and uh, but it, it, it but it is good to know. And I, you know, and I and I encourage. And this is, and I'm gonna say something. I encourage every kid in America if they can go to a good martial arts class or an MMA class. I think that'll be great for them because it, it builds character. Got nothing to do with fighting. I think it builds character, and, and, and that's what we need today. It does character,
3: confidence, and the way he, it changes people's swag. Like exactly. it, it, they might not get messed with just because you could sense. Yes, that's
2: exactly right. That's
3: The way they carry themselves.
2: I've yeah, seen. You have confidence. You have confidence, and, and you know, and I think that's what it was with me because people don't know. When I was in uh in middle school, but like at in kindergarten, kindergarten not kindergarten, but preschool. I didn't speak for four years of my life. I never spoke spoke in a classroom. I used to have a stuttering problem. And because I was bullied a lot, you know, I was scared to death of everything. And, and the way I carried myself made people pick on me. So it made people pick on me. And, and I remember the last time I got beat up, and that's what made me, that woke me up. I got beat up in the eighth grade by this kid. I still can remember his name and stuff, but I got beat up by him. And what's funny is when I went home, that was the day I started training. I started training, and my whole, my whole life changed, but my swagger changed. Yeah, It changed mm-hmm. and made me stand up a little straighter, made me look at people in the eye, not made me shy away, because sometimes people pick on the weaker people, and that's what's sad to me, and that's the reason today I decided I, I, didn't, I, didn't wanna, I, I don't want to be a part of nothing like that. How did you get over the stuttering? You know, I, I used to sit in front of a library, in front of the mirror. I went to the library. I got books. And one summer, I sit in front of a mirror, uh, in front of a mirror, and I read to myself. I read aloud. like I get, I get there, and I just read aloud over and over and over and over and over. And what it does, it built, built confidence. One of the biggest problems that I had, I had no confidence. So I was afraid to read and stuff. And uh, so my confidence went to, went to haywire. And something that was really funny, I got to Dallas. Now, and, and I don't know if you know this, but I'm a pretty good, I was a pretty good student. But I got to Dallas and people, you know, you always read it in front of kids. And, you know, I'm a good reader. I can read now. You know, I I went to college. I can read. So uh, they wanted me to read to these kids. So all of a sudden, they said, Horse, you're going to read Dr. Seuss to these kids. Well, I didn't practice Dr. Seuss because, you know, Dr. Seuss is a kid's book. I can read Dr. Seuss. Well, when I went in and read Dr. Seuss, Dr. Seuss' way of pronouncing words are different than the way we pronounce words. And all of a sudden, I almost converted bite to him when I was a little kid, because let me tell you what, when I was looking at some of those words, I was like, what in the world is he saying? But it's the funniest thing in the world, because you better, if you got to read a Dr. Seuss book, you better practice that before you go, into read, before you go in front of a class to read it.
4: Isn't it crazy Then you're speaking at the Republican convention years later, right? As a kid, you stutter, and then you're speaking on, you know, and that was live, yeah. right?
2: It, it, well, you know, they taped it. And I, let me tell you something funny about that, speaking at that Republican convention. You know, everyone thought that uh, President you know, President Trump and I have been friends since 1982. Little Ivank and Little Donald, you know, I took them to Disney World, Sea World. They traveled with my family. So that's the reason I've known President Trump that long. And we don't just have a, a we have a family friendship. It's not just a friendship. We have a family friendship. Well, he never, not one time, we've been friends the whole time, his kids and I have been friends this whole time. Not one time with all this stuff going on, The President Trump asked me to speak for him. Now, we've been friends. We've been talking this whole time. Now, I'm black. I think y'all see that. I'm black. Not one time did he ask me to speak for him. I volunteered. I called his people and I said, guys, i like to say some words. And they were shocked, that I say something, and I want people to know, you know, I've known President Trump since 1983. And I say, you know, it's so funny that he's treated me fair the whole time. And to be honest, he's not a racist. You know, everyone have problems. And yeah, he may have said some things, but people take things, they take them out of context. I, this guy, I don't care who a color you are. And, you know, people don't even know the things he's done for the African-American community. And then the thing is, even today, and I'm not here to blow President Trump horn, but Look at the policy President Trump said, compared to what's going on in this country today. Let's be real here. And people don't even want to acknowledge that. But I'm saying, guys, you got to acknowledge what the truth is. And that's what we got to do. What is the truth? The truth is a man with one heck of a president when he was in office, you see what's happening right now with the gas prices, with the way we're not protecting our military. Citizens, they're scared to go outside at night. They can't go to the grocery store. Everything now is going up. The supply chain is is kind of crazy. So President Trump didn't have that. He was the president. Do you, did you get flack
4: for uh, speaking up for him? Or did people, were, were people more
2: responsive than you thought they would be? Yeah, uh, you know, It was a combination of both. I, you know, there's some people that gave me flack. There's some people that they were okay with it. But, you know, I don't care. One thing about it is, you remember, I was bullied when I was little. So I don't care what people say about me because uh, what I want to do is say the truth. You know, I have a family. I have a family and I have, I have some dignity about me that I'm going to tell you the truth whether you like it or not. Because one of the things about it is, you know, I grew up in South Georgia. I I went to church. I I love my parents. I love God. And I said, you know, I I don't have the answer to man. I have the answer to God. And uh, if I don't help my fellow man, what kind of person am I? And God has helped me so much. And you're going to tell me I can't reach back to help someone else by telling them the truth of trying to help them. Because we got to be honest here. We have to help each other or we're not going to make it. You know, during this pandemic, this was a terrible, tough, tough time. Everyone sitting in their house. That's a terrible time. And we should be calling people, making sure they're OK, calling the neighbors. And, you know, my wife and I, we did that. We got out and we'd knock on someone's door. We may stand by distance just to see if they're doing OK, just to mm-hmm. let them know that we're here. You know, we're, we're here if you need us. And that's what people need. We need to love each other and quit all this fight. Did you develop any weird like habits
4: or things that you didn't think you'd do in the pandemic? Cause it's over a year, everybody just kind of being stuck. Was there anything you found yourself doing? You're like, I never thought I'd be doing this.
2: Well, you know, I don't sleep much and I sleep maybe three hours a night. I eat one meal a day Well, I got where I sleep do you really even less. Yeah. I sleep even less now than I ever So I, You know, something that I'm gonna tell you something that really hurt me is, and I, and I want to name the young lady. I was, uh, I was on a call, you know, not everybody doing Zoom. So I'm what you call, uh, I'm, not, uh, I'm not computer savvy. I still have AOL as my uh, email account. I still have, a, have an AOL, but something that made me change my viewpoints on things. I was doing a call with some of my, with some, uh, like a, on, a, on the president council, I was doing a call. And at the end of the call, a young lady, because I said, guys, we want to call each other, make sure everybody's doing well. Because, you know, all of us are standing in the house, not able to get out and stuff like this. And at the end of the call, there was a young lady that's in a wheelchair. And she got off the call and she said, uh, Herschel, now they know how I feel. And I said, what are you talking about? She said, you know, I'm in my house all the time. He said, I can't go out. I can't do the things you guys are doing. And, you know, that hurt me so much because I never thought about that. I said, you know, we don't think about there's people that are in wheelchairs that can't get out that they needed us to call them sometimes. Say, how you doing, man? I'm thinking about you. Hey, what do you need? Or something like that. Because it made me sad that I didn't think about that because I go through my life, you know, blowing and going, you know, living my life and not thinking about others. I always thought I cared. And that gave a new appreciation. So I think that's one thing that gave me, this This pandemic gave me a new appreciation of, of people than uh, I think I had before. You,
4: I'm a bad sleeper as well. Like, I can't sleep at all. But you sleep three hours a night voluntarily. And why do you only eat one meal a day? I, I can't stop shoving food in my fat face. I, how do you eat uh, one meal a day?
2: Well, you know, when I was in high school, uh, you know, I I was graduating early. And I, I got out of school early, so I wouldn't eat lunch because I wanted to make that extra $3.25 an hour probably. So uh-huh. I wouldn't eat. So when I got that, so I just got where my body didn't require me to eat anything. So I ate one meal a day. And, and don't get mad at me, but I don't eat. And you, I own a food company. That's what's going kind to of freak you out. I own a larger minority-owned food company in the United States. And I don't eat hard. I eat all anything. I'm, I just don't get hungry. I, 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 I eat what I like. I may have a honey bun and a Coke, and I'm fine. That's I, a I mean, typical so Herschel Walker day of food? Yeah, that may be it, because I'm, I'm always doing So I'm not telling anyone out there to do that. Uh, right. All the nutrition is going to get mad at me. You got to eat right. Eat three meals a day. I just do it the way I, I do it because God loves Hershey, so I'm crazy, so He takes care of me. Honey bun and a Coke. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's good. That's that, that's good. Good honey bun and a Coke. I'll be all right.
4: There are guys that can do that though. Like there's there's, there's the anomaly who will smoke until they're 90 and never have a problem with it. There's people once in a while someone that can get away well, with it. Let me
2: tell you something really funny. You know, at playing at Georgia one 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 year, I was doing after a game, I was doing an interview. And I don't know why some reporter said, hey, what's your favorite candy bar? Which, you know, stupid question. So on the tip of my mind, I said, Snicker bars, Snicker bars like this. I didn't know. Well, I started getting cases of Snicker bars in the mail. So my one meal of the day was just Snicker bars. So for like probably a couple of weeks, all I ate was Snicker bars. And I was fine. And and I, I was okay. You know, coaches, I'm healthy as a horse. So I, I think we can't stress ourselves out about everything. I think we stress ourselves, put so much stress on ourselves. We just got to eat right got to exercise. So no matter what, you got to exercise and stuff. And, and, and I said, you'll be okay.
4: Well, Herschel, we uh, thank you for coming on. I, I've liked you for so many years. I've been a fan and, and uh, it's good to talk to you. And uh, you, what can people do to support your campaign if they want to support your campaign down there in Georgia?
2: Well, no, they can go to uh, teamherschel.com and they can support my campaign and if they got friends in Georgia, you tell them to get out and vote, no matter what, vote for Herschel because he's the best one out there, and he can beat all the rest of them in the race, whether it's physically or mentally, whatever I need to do. But uh, just go to TeamHerschel.com. And, 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 thank you, guys. I'll tell you what I, I do. I love I love MMA. I've been a big, big fan since it started. And that and this, there's no lie. I've been a big fan since, uh, you know, MMA started. Well, you're an inspiration, Herschel. Thank you for coming on. And please come on again. And all oh, our best with the uh, – with we're getting an office there. Well, thank you. I, I say I'm going to win. it. I told him I like Ricky Bobby. Uh, if you're not first, you're last. So I'm like Ricky Bobby. Great movie. <laughs> all right. Thank you now. God bless you guys now.
4: All right. Have a good one, man. Take care. This podcast is brought to you by Neds, the official wagering partner of the UFC in Australia. Aussie fight fans, keep an eye out for this weekend's UFC pay per view event, Player Pump. Player Pump gives you a special fixed odds price for a fighter to win by markets like Method of Victory, Round Betting, and heaps more. You can even pump up your odds on the UFC by combining your favorite markets across different cards. The action doesn't stop with UFC. Neds has everything you need to. Take it to the Ned's level, regardless of what you bet on. Ned's same game, Multi, is now available on more sports than ever before. Blended is also brand new to Ned's and available on all three racing codes. Blended lets you pick multiple runners in the same race at special blended odds. It's never been easier for you to be paid out as a winner. Take UFC to the Ned's level. UFC markets exclude South Australian residents. Minimum blended odds, $1.10. Terms and conditions apply and are available on the Ned's website. Remember to always gamble responsibly Call 1-800-858-858. Looking for a new home or you want to save on your current mortgage? Visit rate.com and you could get massive savings with Guaranteed Rate, the official mortgage partner of the UFC. Rates are at a historic lows and you could land that dream home or refinance to potentially cut your current payments in about 15 minutes. Visit rate.com today to get started with Guaranteed Rate. Equal Housing Lender. Subject to credit approval. Savings if any vary based on a variety of factors. Restrictions apply. Company NMLS ID number 2611. NMLS Consumer Access
5: what's up boys
3: hey you know, michael how are you brother
5: man i'm just living the dream
3: you know shit man I, I listen i everybody can't wait for your fight with justin gaethje i mean talk about fucking uh, talk about a fight on paper that just has fireworks written all over it
5: yeah, I mean that's uh that's what I'm expecting too and those are the kind of fights I want to be in. So like I said I wasn't here for a long time. I was here to have a good time. So uh Justin Gagey definitely fits that bill. What do you think of him compared
4: to Oliveira and and you said like he's he's probably the craziest guy you fought because he really he's never in a boring
5: fight ever. No, he isn't. And I do think he is one of, one of the craziest and scariest guys in the division. Uh you know, most of the time it's blunder. Most of the time it's uh, you know, building the fight up. Justin Gaethje, I truly believe means it, you know, that's, and that's, uh, and you guys are the beneficiary, the fans are the beneficiary, uh, even myself looking for a a guy to compete against. I'm a beneficiary. Um, Justin Gaethje was one of the first names on the list um, that I wanted to fight. I said, I, you know, I had my, my uh, top five kind of hit list of guys that I Uh, You know, wanted to fight, wanted to compete against, wanted to test myself against Justin Gaethje was on the top of that list. You know, obviously I wanted to make the best decisions I possibly could to get toward the title because that was the ultimate goal. But, um, you know, he's coming off a title, a title fight loss. I'm coming off of a title fight loss. Both of our dreams have been shattered uh, you know, the dream of holding UFC gold had been shattered in our previous fight. So I'm expecting the best Justin Gaethje and I'm expecting my best performance. And here we go. Just, uh, less than two weeks away.
3: Now your, your last fight, when you were fighting for the title, like you mentioned for uh, Charles Oliveira, I mean, it was, a—I was there live. It was a fucking, it was a nail biter and not to bring up, you know, again, a Little negative because it didn't go your way, but it almost went your way. I mean, shit, how long you've been in the game so long, a day or two. How long until you stopped not feeling sorry for yourself, being like fuck laces out and get back on track. How long laces it out, go? yeah.
5: Um, you know, honestly, man, it, I love the journey of mixed martial arts. I love the journey. Matt, you went through it many, many ups, many, many downs. And really, without the downs, you don't really enjoy. The fruits of the of the ups, you know, and you can't you can't take in with stride and just grab a hold of all the beautiful things about this sport without also accepting those you know setbacks, those tough times, those embarrassing moments. We both gone through them, um, and they're in the public eye, the man in the arena. But um, you know, I will say. A lot of people that had, hadn't followed me until I came to the UFC, and I went through a rough patch back in 2013 through almost 2015. I lost three consecutive fights in a row, 688 days without winning a fight. That's a very, very, very long time, um, and a lot of it had to do with what was, what, what was going on between my ears. I made a couple mistakes. I was I was embarrassed, so I wanted to hide from the media, hide from the gym, hide from the people because I didn't want to show my face. I was like a a dog who poops on your, on the, on the, on the carpet, right? What do they do? They tuck their tail between their legs. They won't make eye contact and they want to walk away. Um, and then all of a sudden I, I also made another mistake. I forgot how good I was just because I lost that fight. I attached myself to the, to the word loser. I had a bunch of W's in my you know Wikipedia page and on my record and all of a sudden there was this big L. So I attached myself to that letter, that L. And then I just kind of, kind of, found comfort in the self pity of, of this jail cell of self pity, where I was just like blaming other people. And of course, my first loss was to Eddie Alvarez. It was a razor close split decision. Could have went either way. It was the judge's fault. It was the referee's fault. It was this person's fault. It was that person's fault. And man, getting back on the horse right away, I lost that title fight in front of millions of people on, May 15th on May 17th, Monday morning, I had one of the biggest MMA YouTube channels come to my house. He's a guy who lived in Nashville's MMA on point. I said, Hey, we're sitting down, we're doing this interview. We're breaking down the fight. And I want to sit here with my hat in my hand, with a cut still on my eyes, faces poofy from the adrenaline and, and traveling and all that kind of stuff. And I want to tell the story of what it's, what it was like just 48 hours ago when my, when a dream that was supposed to be realized actually became a, a shattering setback. Um, so getting back on the horse right away, not hiding from it, not, not shying away from it really helped me mentally. So the next day I did another podcast in studio, talked about the loss. I wanted to get out to you guys, to the fans, to the media, to everybody. Hey, yeah, I lost, but I am not a loser. Failure was on May 15th and it was a, it was an event. It is not a person and I'm going to move forward. So, um, man, truthfully, hate to act like you know the, the loss wasn't tough shed some tears didn't sleep a little you know a couple nights it would hit you because you and then you talk to people too and and it's no you know like what you just said matt i was this close to winning that fight in the you know so i don't know if that's a good thing because it shows that i'm one of the best in in the world or if that's a bad thing because i was that close to, to capturing ufc gold but um, man, I'm over it and I'm excited to compete again.
4: Knowing that Justin also dealt with the same thing too. You're both kind of going into it the same way. Do you think he's concerned about your wrestling? Um, cause he did make a comment that he thinks it's going to end in a knockout unless you turn into a bitch and turn into a wrestling match. But whenever I hear a fighter say that, that to me says that like he'd prefer not to
5: wrestle. Yeah. You know, and and. uh, I am a very confident person but I do have zero ego. I'm 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 out there to, I'm going out there to to win a fight. I'm going out there to be a complete mixed martial artist. I believe I have the tools and the skill set To take anybody down in the division, to knock anybody out in the division, to out grapple, to out strike, to out maneuver, to out cardio, to out tough anybody in the division. So, uh, where the fight goes, it will go. Um, there's no, you know, there's no secret. Justin and I are both division one, all Americans, um, in wrestling. Both of us have a lot of spectacular knockouts on our highlight reels. So we are, we are very much cut from the same cloth small town, middle-class wrestling families came in to the UFC after winning world titles outside of the UFC, um, kicked down the door to the lightweight division and have both fought for titles. This is a, this is about as evenly matched a fight as you possibly could get. So where the fight goes, it goes, um, I'm going to touch them everywhere. So we'll go, we'll go from there. We'll see what happens.
3: It's funny though, because, uh, when I hear Jimmy say that and he's quoting Justin. He's obviously baiting you. I mean, you're not a you're not an imbecile. He's obviously if you look at his fight with Habib, uh, you know he, he can't sit there and call Habib a beach a bitch a peach, a bitch. He put him on he put him unconscious. You know what I mean? Literally put him unconscious with the grappling. So I, I mean, it's smart by him to be like ah the first one who shoots is a fucking sissy. But at the end of the day, it's about taking the other guy out by any means
5: possible. Yeah, you know, and, and and the beautiful thing about mixed martial arts is, you know, if you've never done it and you're you're a fan of the sport, and even if you know the sport really, really well, you you still think that we all got a game plan and we're going to stick to that game plan. And there's game plan A and game plan B and game plan C, but you got to realize you're fighting another guy your size, your size with two arms and two legs who has been training for months to uh, to impose his game plan to to do what he wants to do. So you got to make moves on the fly. i'm not a guy who makes the right decisions all the time a lot of times i make ill-advised yet entertaining um decisions inside the octagon inside the cage so does justin so we're gonna see how the fight progresses uh all i know is for 15 minutes i'm gonna i'm gonna be looking for a finish for 15 minutes he's gonna be looking for a finish everybody the fans and and everybody watching and tuning in is going to be the beneficiary of two guys who are willing to go out on the go out on their shield so um yeah, we'll see how the fight goes. Either way, I know I have the power to knock him out. I know I've been training to uh, to knock him out. I've been training um, in my sparring sessions to to be the most dangerous that I've ever been on the feet. So we'll we'll go from there.
4: Now
3: you were dropping some knowledge as far as getting back on the horse when you had those losses, and you said you were at first like blaming everyone else, and then you had to sit down and 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 look at it. Um, you know, uh, honestly. Now, did you have any help with that? Did you people get mental coaches and stuff? Because what you said was very, it's very knowledgeable. I mean, did you have any help with that? Or is that just something you came up with just by going through it?
5: Um, a a lot of it was self, um, you know, kind of self-education, self-motivation, self, self, um, self-awareness enough, uh, to kind of put the pieces of the puzzle where they needed to be. But I did actually hire a, um. Uh, a psychologist or a psychiatrist or something. He was, he was actually a family. He was actually like a family and marriage and, and children counselor, but he, uh, he worked with a couple guys in San Diego. I was in San Diego at the time. So I sat on his couch and talked to him. Um, You know, I got a lot of limiting beliefs, man. A lot of limiting beliefs that, that, that were ingrained in me that are a part of my family tree, all these different things that we tell ourselves. I was told a story of who Michael Chandler was going to be. I was told a story of the path that, that Michael Chandler should take. I was told a, a, a story and told where the limits were instead of talking about where the possibilities were. And there was a lot of stuff that I had to get, get over and get through. Um, and a lot of those losses, that first loss, especially reinforced, yeah, the media was right, that I was just going to be a flash in the pan or the these other people were right that I was just going to be a, you know, i am am a, I'm a one-dimensional fighter or I'm this, or I'm that it, it reinforced those things. And this is what we always do as human beings. We have this confirmation bias that we can, we can set aside our fears and our doubts and our insecurities so long until we take an L or we take a setback or we, or we have a, a subpar performance. And then those voices, those negative voices are the loudest ones in the room. So that was my first step. And then A couple of years later, I did. uh, I hired a mindset coach uh, named Jim Hensel. And actually, for him, for our process, it wasn't uh, how do I become more mentally tough? How do I become more, more strong? How do I get more motivated? It was more, it was more an actual all encompassing who is Michael Chandler? What, where are his his doubts? Where are his insecurities? Where are his strengths? Where are his weaknesses? And what is the mantra for my life? What is my, What is my 10 things about me that I truly wholeheartedly, 100% unequivocally believe about myself? And then I meditate on those things every single day. And I remind myself of those things every every single day. And then they show up in my training. They show up in my finances. They show up in in my conversations. They show up in the room with me. They show up where my feet are. And most importantly, they show up... Uh, with when i'm standing barefooted on a ufc canvas when i go out there and compete how did he get you to to recognize some of that stuff was it was it like a, a coach
4: like that is it like therapy in a way or does he just teach you to ask certain questions how do they do that
5: the second the second guy where i found out who i was really yeah yeah no i mean really he he has his own uh you can check it out. It's mayhemmindset.com, uh, I believe. So he actually mayhem um, is in reference to Rich Froning, who is the world's you know fittest CrossFit fit man four years in a row. Um, he is now just, he does team now, but he's still one of the most fittest guys on the, on the planet. It w- he was his mindset coach. Um, and he, and it's hard too, cause he's like, he, he calls it a mindset coach, but it's really not, you're not really trying to do anything with your mind to change your perspective other than the introspective how you see yourself and who you are and and really he's got a, a big long 16 chapter kind of binder that we go through and there's a lot of journaling and there's a lot of, a lot of lists and he calls it a game you're going through you know we we fight you know I hate when people call it a game hey you go into the game or you going to watch the you know the fight it's so you know the football's a game and baseball's a game and fights fighting's not really a game but it is in a lot of senses so he calls it each game has a has a different section, a different chapter. And we kind of went through it and, and really just kind of found out who I was. And you have to have the self-awareness enough to, to admit, admit your faults because only by admitting your faults can you get past those things. Can you, you know, you, you can only fashion yourself through the fire by going through it, but it all still starts with the self-awareness enough and the humility enough to say, Hey man, I got some problems in this area and that area. And it's showing up as a father. It's showing up as a husband. It's showing up inside the octagon. It's showing up in my bank account. It's showing up in all of these different areas. So man, I'm an athlete by trade. That's how I make my money. But the most important thing for me is to become the best man that I possibly can be. So if I become the best man I possibly can be by knowing exactly who I am and implementing these uh, these different tactics and going through this process, it's going to show up and I'm going to be able to put my best foot forward inside the octagon.
3: Uh, Jimmy, if to have Herschel Walker on and now having Michael Chandler on dude, I'm fucking motivated. I'm going to curse less starting right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's
5: okay. Yeah, man, you're from New York, dude. You can cuss as much as you want. Michael, do you, do you
3: now? you're concentrating on you now? you got a lot of things, you know, we got, we got eyes on
5: the, on the goal. Do you, Um, coach at all or no? I don't. I actually, um, I I definitely want to coach when I'm done fighting, I believe, you know, whether it's in a a mass capacity, it's definitely going to, I want to speak on stages to to a lot of people, but I want to, uh, I definitely want to have an online presence where I can coach some people. But I, uh, I did do uh, about an eight week. No, it was actually three months straight after this last fight. I just, I had probably 20, 30 people in there on, on these Zoom calls every other week, and we just kind of talked about some things. I had a lesson plan, and then uh, really just talked to people about their doubts, their fears, their insecurities. It's so important, especially as men. Men do not want to admit these things, but we have to if we want to become the best men we possibly can be.
3: Well, I don't know if you've got anything planned for your retirement, what your next chapter will be, but listen, move over, Tony Robbins. You, I- <laughs> I'm getting fucking motivated. I well, said I'm no. getting motivated by Michael Chandler. So, hey man, I stay up with that stuff. I think this is. I think you're great. Well, uh, it's selfish.
5: It's selfish too, you know. I mean, that's what I tell people too. It's, you know, you could sit there and say, man, that's commendable. You got on that big YouTube channel right after the fight, broke down the fight, watched Charles Oliveira knock you out and relive it in front of millions of people. But yeah, I did it for the fans and I did it for the onlookers, but really I did it for myself too. It's 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 selfish. I went through that, these processes selfishly because I and worried about myself more than I'm worried about anybody else. And it could, because if I can make myself the best man possible, then I can, I'm gonna be successful in every single area of life. So it's it's helping people by also helping yourself. So I do love the coaching aspect. Um I've had many coaches, uh other coaches in my past, and I'm actually interviewing one right now, talking to one right now that I'm gonna hire as a financial coach as well.
4: Yeah, financial coaches uh definitely gotta trust that guy. That that's scary too, because you know, like how do you know? Like, do you give them a little leeway to make a, a mistake here and there? Cause you know, finances are
5: not, it's not science. So I have my wealth management company and I have, and I have, and they do investments. I'm saying, Hey dude, teach me how teach me how to change my mind about money. I was taught some things about money that, that are bass backwards. I taught I was taught some things about, about money that, you know, that precluded me from, from making more of it. Even to this day, I still don't believe that I deserve, be, believe be to be a multi multi-millionaire billionaire. And I believe everybody should believe that about themselves. And money isn't the end-all be-all. It's not going to buy happiness. You can't buy happiness. But without, without it, without a lot of it, you can't bless a lot of people with it. So this would more be a mindset money coach, Me, him teaching me about money, how the world's work, how the world works, how bank works, how the stock market works, how real estate works. Um, just learn from as many people as you possibly can.
4: Are you a good saver? My mother was pretty good with money. So I became pretty good at money because my mom was. My dad would spend you know, a, a lot more recklessly than my mother. Are you, are you good at saving and stuff like that? Or do you tend to just want to go out and blow it?
5: Man, I never blow it. I mean, I, 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 my wife loves vacations and experiences. Um, those are her two favorite things. Um, so we we have vacations. We do vacations. We do we do experiences. Um, but every 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 other dollar that we don't need to live on, um, you know, we want to we want to live in a nice house that makes you happy. We want to, and then other than that, I want to buy real estate. I want to. I'm invested in the stock market. I have a lot of money put away for uh, in retirement vehicles, uh, which also has an added tax benefit um, that has helped me shelter a lot of taxes by deferring those um deferring those earnings and, and investing that into my retirement. So there's there's a lot of different things you can do um in a lot of different ways, different companies and LLCs and all kinds of different things you can set up. And I've done I've done that over the last 13 years and I've been very blessed to have some really great smart people around me. Um, but you know I'm an athlete. So I get i get good coaches around me to make me a better athlete i get bet, good advisors around me uh, and mentors around me to make me a better a better man a better saver and a better investor
4: yeah and you're also making good decisions because a lot of athletes a lot of musicians to get people around them who give them bad financial advice and they wind up ruined right at the end of their career they have nothing so you're also making smart decisions too
5: yeah, I, I believe. I mean, of course, there's a, a thousand different decisions that I maybe could have made that maybe would have made me more money or maybe more more financially secure. But um, I'm constantly just being led by uh, connections that I am making, and 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 even now too, it's just a testament to the UFC. I, I spent the last you know, 12 years prior to fighting in the UFC connecting with and creating really great relationships that I would eventually, once I went to the UFC, came to the UFC, got the biggest platform that I possibly could. Now I can, for lack of a better word, you know, cash in on those relationships that I've made at a much bigger level on a much bigger stage. And, and, um, a lot more beneficially. So, um, that's worked out really well for me over the last 12 months. I've only been signed with the UFC. I think our first conversation we had was about 12 months ago. I've only been signed with the UFC now 13 months. It seems like it's been two, three years because so much has happened, but, um, I'm still very new to the UFC. So it's, uh, it's been an awesome process thus far, and the platform's just huge.
4: Well, Michael, good luck. Uh, Justin Gaethje, this is a tremendous, tremendous fight. Um, and it's a dangerous fight for both of you, obviously, because you do both have the ability to to win. So uh, we'll talk to you after the fight on November the 6th at the Garden, and uh, it's, a, it's a big stage and a great, great fight. Yes, yeah, sir. Can't wait. This is going to be a
5: fun one, so everybody tune in. I'll be there with Reginald, so I'll see you there, Mikey. There you go. Let's go, man. I appreciate you guys. All right. Be good, buddy. Take care. Okay. Thanks, guys.
4: This episode of UFC Unfiltered is brought to you by P3, the official protein snack of the UFC. P3 portable protein packs are a savory and crunchy combination of three dynamic sources of protein from meat, cheese, and nuts. Each P3 pack contains up to 13 grams of protein, and they come in great tasting combinations like turkey, almond, and Colby Jack. P3, three dynamic ways to fuel your day with protein-packed meat, cheese, and nuts, because three is better than one.
3: Michael's a great guy. He's very motivating, Jimmy.
4: Yeah, he is. I'm more motivated by Herschel, though. I'm going to eat a honey bun and drink a Coke and hope I get abs. Oh, what a what a
3: just what a lovely gentleman. I mean, I just liked him a lot. Not because Jimmy, not because he was a fan of mine. Don't Jimmy. What? It's not because the guy was giving me compliments. I hope not. No, not at all it didn't
4: hurt <laughs> but didn't hurt his case <laughs> it definitely
3: didn't hurt his case and he has my vote
4: by the way him and Gagey Matt, sorry uh uh Rose against uh uh Wiley is the uh, is a co-main that rematch Kamaru Covington is the main Justin Gagey challenged a third fight I mean what an amazing fucking card this is I that Bobby Green is the is the the main event of the uh prelims This is a great great card
3: Jimmy what did you think of Marvin
4: Vittori? Vittori he's, is oh, uh, awesome. I, I, uh, I was also impressed with Paulo Costa and the ability to go five and that body kick, which was devastating. But fucking Vittori is just, I mean, literally, you can't knock this guy. You, you, he shows nothing on his face if he's hurt. Like, you, I would have no idea if he was hurt unless he told me.
3: Dude, those kicks could have dropped a fucking horse.
4: Tremendous.
3: You know what I mean? I mean, the chin on him, and even he's like, yo, we're taxing on my forearms. That could break a fucking arm.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And I don't, Apollo. And it's weird because after that first round, I'm like, all right, I say by the third round, he, he, he's going to be done. And the fifth round, he came back stronger than ever. The uh, yeah. Apollo.
4: Really great, great fight. Vittori definitely won. I thought that the, uh, the point he took, um, I thought uh, was a little much. Um, I, I don't know if he needed to take that point on, on, on and it just the, the first. He had warned him a little bit about the fingers, but I thought that was a little bit uh, much for Herzog to take that point immediately. But, you know, I'm sure a lot of fighters were happy that he 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 did it.
3: My thing is this. If, it, if it's going to affect the fight and you've warned the guy already, hey, man, yeah. what are you going to do? Because I've seen him do that again. Uh, he did that in the Alex Kills Caceres fight.
4: Well, Choi, but that was, was Was that a different? Was that him or a different ref? Ooh, wait, which uh, again uh, against Caceres against uh, against uh, Choi? I believe it was the same ref, but you could check. Oh, yeah, he took he took a point, but that was a, a need to a downed opponent. I mean, that was a pretty square shot to the face. Um, that yeah, uh, that was a little bit more avoidable. I thought.
3: Yeah, shit, man. I'm just telling you this. I'm impressed with Marvin Vittori because, and I mean, he basically fought a guy in a different way. a totally different. He, yes, he guy did. was, he, he was a middleweight fighter, light heavyweight. So he took out one of the most dangerous dudes and he fought him up a weight class. The guy, the guy yeah. he fought up a weight class and he didn't bitch about it. And a lot of guys, I mean, he got the, you know, he got the 20% or whatever it was, but uh, that was impressive. Yeah. Cause he didn't have to rely on the grappling either. You know what I mean? Which we thought he would be, but the guy was actually too big for him to take him down and keep him down, which was wild. Yeah. The Tory, I give him all the credit in the world, man. I think uh, what he he did needs to be uh,
2: applauded.
4: Yeah, I agree. And you're right. Costa was so strong getting back up. Um, It it was just watching him stand back up with a guy like Vittorio on him was was also impressive. But Marvin just didn't stop coming. Marvin uh, threw some beautiful heavy shots, and he took a lot of shots, and he didn't seem phased at all.
3: He didn't. And I was impressed with Alex Kassler also.
4: Tremendous win. He
3: was the underdog in that fight. And for uh, uh, for him to take out Choi that way, uh, in that second round, he took – it was a, a split-second back take. And it was so beautiful the way he did it. And he was peppering him with strikes when he was up there. And I have to – oh, yeah, we have to bring up Francisco Trinaldo fighting it the first time in, in the UFC at 170, welterweight. And uh Dwight Grant was in that fight. Yeah, It was a good fucking fight when it was – yeah. <laughs> and uh I agree. I agree with the – um yeah, I agree with the decision. It was a split decision. I like that. For I, I mean, I'm, he was. Still, I mean, in the first round, he had a hard time finding his range versus the like the lanky Dwight Grant. But then he did. Once he found it, he he found it, and he was adding. He was landing that left hand, and uh, the kick would come up out of nowhere, and uh, the grappling made a difference in that last round. So, shit, man, I, I enjoyed the heck out of that fight.
4: Um, Gregory Rodriguez over uh, a Junior Park. What what because Park I thought had some was landing some really really heavy shots, and um he was hurting Rodriguez and I think he had him hurt at the end of the uh first round and, and into the second. And Rodriguez man was he he really he pounced on him and uh threw a couple of beautiful uppercuts. That that was also a great great finish.
3: Yeah, fights like that I, I I love where yeah it's like oh this ain't going even with Alex Casares it's like yo this ain't
4: just slugging it out just both of them standing there slugging it out just great.
3: And you're thinking it's going to end a certain way. And all of a sudden the guy pulls it out. It's like, oh, that's right. I, I, I love that stuff. Um, again, again, a fun, fun card, Jimmy. Uh, let me mention also about my weekend before we get out. Yes. Because, you know, my, as you can tell my voice. You're a little scratchy. It's a little scratchy, man. Because we had six guys fighting over the weekend. I was in Atlantic City. I did a, um, <clears throat> a road trip with two of young, our young fighters. Good guys. Pumi, the, the um, Pumi Nakuda. It means no worries. I can't even sing because my voice is fucked up. But a blessing, I, but, fuck, Pumi and Stephen Lee. It was just, it was Stephen Lee's birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, Stephen Lee. But we went on a road trip to AC, and uh, we went three and three. You know, a couple of decisions like they could have went our way, but it's I'm not gonna bitch about it. You know, uh, Lauren Brasha lost our fight by rear naked choke to a buddy of mine, Stevie's uh, student fucking fuck. I forget. I'm the worst. And I know the guy, stop it. Let's just cut that out. Will you no, we don't have to cut it out. Fuck it. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Lauren, it's good. I'm going to remember it with a second I fucking hang up. Uh, but Lauren was doing great until she wasn't, she got yeah down. The girl got her back and finished her. So prompts. Uh, but Lauren it's our first fight in a while. She'll get back on the wagon. Uh, my buddy, Christian, um, Akela, he called, I can't pronounce his last name great. Right? I'll say uh, whatever the fuck. Anyway, he's calling himself the hungry wolf. He was hungry. Eh, maybe not hungry enough. All right. I thought he should have got the decision, but I don't think this kid should be fighting middleweight. He fought at middleweight. He should be fighting 170. Tough fight. I thought he should have won. He lost. Um, uh, Dylan oh my guy, he was undefeated. He lost his fight. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think he's going to be back with eventually.
4: Have he lose?
3: He uh, he lost uh, decision. Okay, and um, you know it happens. You know, came down to the third round, and he had to take down, but then the guy got up, put him, took his back and was on top. I yeah, basically had more ground control the last round. It came down to the last round. Yeah. But you know, he's going to learn from that shit. And uh, Damian Nelson, this kid's got a lot of, I didn't corner him because I just recently met him, but he's such a nice kid. And he's got such strict, slick boxing and striking. He won his fight and he did fucking phenomenal. And uh, I, I like that kid. I, I got to talk to him afterwards. I'm not just going to jump in a corner if I don't know the guy. But sure. he long goes a bunch. And I just got to know him a little bit. And I think he's a sweetheart of a kid. And he's he had nothing but good things. He did phenomenal. And James Gonzalez and Dennis Bazooka both, you know, uh, retained their their uh, their ring of combat titles. So I was happy about that. You know, the Bazooka fought on the Contender Series. But when he did fight on there, he was, and I'm not making excuses. He was getting over. His lungs were a little fucked up because of that COVID thing. Oh,
4: uh, and- okay
3: he's doing better now. He finished that fight in the first round like a fucking stud, you know? So listen, love all my guys. I was happy to see uh, Chris Weidman again. I haven't seen him in a, since that incident with him. So Weidman was down there cornering a fighter. I, I'm sorry, I forgot that dude's name, but he won his fight, some wrestling kid. Um, but, you know, I was, I was happy to see Chris because I haven't seen Chris. And uh, we had the whole crew there, you know? And it was uh, me, myself, Ally Quinta, Ray Longo, and I just like, you know, being around the, the, the crew. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, I, and, um, and I'm happy to be around you, Jimmy.
4: Me too, buddy.
3: All right. Anything else you want to plug before my voice just fucking goes?
4: Uh, no, I'm good. I'm okay. <laughs> You're the fucking
3: best. All right, Jimmy. Listen, I love you.
4: I love you too, pal.
3: We're good. You didn't hesitate on that. Uh, all right. What do you, so you don't want to plug in anything? The fact that you're on cameo.
4: I'm going to be in Philadelphia Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Helium Comedy Club in the following week. Caroline's here in New York City. If you want to come see me, four, five, and six. While they're having that great fight, I'll be at Caroline's. Uh, so I probably won't be a lot of UFC fans at my at my show. But uh, you know, I can't wait to uh, to get back down to Philly, especially Jimmy. Yes, sir.
3: This weekend, I'm having two-time world champion. Fion Davies. Am I saying it right now? Like, I'm pronouncing it right, Davies. She's she's phenomenal. And I'm having to do a, a little seminar at Sarah B.J.J. in Huntington. Yeah. It's 6.30 to 8.30. All schools are welcome. And I like that. I like to bring in people that that look like good people and they have good skill set. And my students can learn from them. We're very open-minded at Sarah B.J.J. So that's going to be great. I'm probably going to have my daughters jump in that class too. So you know, that's going on over at Sarahbjj.com.
4: And I hope your voice is a little better by Wednesday.
3: Thank you so much, Jimmy, and uh, I will'll talk to you then, brother.
4: Yeah, good. And uh, thank you to Herschel Walker and Michael Chandler, and uh, we'll talk in two days.
3: Goodbye, everyone.
4: Righto.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. the longest field goal ever missed.